Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. What's up, guys? Welcome to our show. It's a big pleasure to learn a lot more today about uh, digital marketing. And today we have a special topic about commun- community-led growth. I am excited to discuss the topic with Lloyd Loba. How are you? Hey, Anatoly. I'm excited to be here doing really well today out of Austin, Texas. Thanks for having me. I love doing this kind of stuff. I love community and here to talk all about community-led growth. Yeah. Uh, before we start, just tell more about yourself, big background experience, and why you decided to take this topic. Definitely. So, you know, my life and career has only been around startups. I was an engineer. Uh, first job was at a startup, worked in product, then uh, worked in growth and marketing at another startup, then uh, was on the founding team of a couple that didn't work out. And after that, I realized that customers want an outcome. They don't want software. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what if you don't have product market fit? How do you, you know, build your customer base, your audience? And I chanced upon community. And so when we were bootstrapping Boast, we bootstrapped Boast to close to eight figures in revenue before we raised any funding. We then raised a 23 million USD Series A. But we were building this community that we call Traction. And it started with hosting pizza nights, 10, 20 people. And eventually now 100,000 subscribers. We do two live webinars a week, two podcasts a week. Our YouTube channel has about uh, 1.8, 1.9 million views. And we do a big conference and meetups in different cities. But I realized that, you know, through my past failures that, you know, you keep investing in growth and everyone asks, you know, tell me about growth, tell me about growth. What is the next growth channel, right? And it's not like that. You're not ready to invest in growth if you don't have an ideal customer, meaning people don't come to your product to get a specific job done. And the second thing is you have poor retention. People don't keep coming back to your product anytime they want to get that job done. So investing in growth when you have no ICP and poor retention is like throwing money in the fire. So what do you do when you're starting out, right? And what do you do? And building a community can help you there. You know, build an audience before, build an audience and build relationships and connections before you have a product and product market fit. And so I wanted to talk about this topic. Nice, nice, love it. Uh, You know, um, when, I have this question about building audience or creating product. Uh, can you tell where to, uh, to do first, what to do first, you know, uh, building audience or creating products because we have different approaches. Some uh, great companies uh, started with building their audience, others with building products. I think uh, both are important, but from your experience, where is better to start? You know, uh, building a community is really hard, number one. Right. And so if you don't have the DNA for giving and helping others become successful, don't build a community because there are cheaper ways to grow. Right. The ROI, you can't start with saying, oh, I'm going to build a community because I can squeeze some ROI later. ROI will come because it's visibility, credibility and then profitability. But that journey is very long. Right. So as a founder, you need to prioritize what unfair advantage you have in a specific channel and focus on what can give you that quick hit in the beginning. Don't build community because it's fashionable and some successful companies like Harley Davidson to HubSpot have done it. Figure out if you have specific expertise and DNA 
right? Because not everyone wants to build community because when you build community, you need to give value, give, give, give like 10 times before you get something. And it takes a long time. See, startups are built in phases. What is phase one? I have an idea. So what do you do? You figure out the ideal customer profile. Where do they eat, breathe, drink, sleep? What is the day in their life look like? Because a solution doesn't exist, what are they forced to stitch together to solve that problem? And then what does the delighted state look like? And at the validation stage, all that matters is you get maybe five, 10 people to try it out, right? Then the next phase is product market fit. You've got five, 10 people, maybe 15 people saying, I'm going to pay you to try this product out. Well, how do you get to product market fit then? You need engagement. Say your North Star metric is your product needs each user to log in every week to get value. You're watching that engagement. And the key metric coming out of product market fit is you have high retention. Your customers are not leaving you. Then the next phase is, and, and once you get to product market fit, you could probably raise a good round of funding, like a series A. Maybe that's, you got 50 customers who are engaged and they're not churning. Your revenue retention is over 100%. You can raise a series A, a million dollar round. Next then is product channel fit. You figure out one repeatable, scalable channel to grow, acquire more customers. And maybe that takes you to three to five million in revenue. You can raise your series B and then you go on to scale. And at scale, what you do is you figure out, I've nailed one channel. I'm going to put 75% of my energy on scaling what I've nailed. And the rest 25%, I'm going to try new things and go through that phase of validation, product market fit, product channel fit, and scale. So when you're at the validation phase, really, you're hacking things together as a founder, right? Maybe you're leveraging your network, you're sending cold emails. What is going to give you the quickest hit to get those 10 customers to try it out and give you feedback? And at product market fit too, maybe you know, you're still doing some founder-led sales and outreach, whatever you can, leveraging your network um, to get to that maybe 30, 40 customers so you can focus on iterating on the feedback and get high retention. And generally what I find, especially in B2B SaaS products, is it's very important for founders to develop the muscle to sell, right? So if you're selling cold emails and you're hopping on demos and you are you know, doing some low cost marketing techniques like testing messaging on LinkedIn, it helps you refine your messaging. And that messaging then can go in your marketing materials on your website if, if you've uh, then decided to hire salespeople, you can give it to them. You can build a whole playbook. But then in that phase one, it's validation. Can I get 10 customers in this ICP to try it out? Phase two is can I get high engagement and high retention, right? And so then as you think about, should I build a community? Do you need to have a framework for deciding what channel you invest in, right? Mm -hmm. The way I like to do it is everything with a product framework. It's called RICE. I didn't invent it. It's been there for decades. R stands for reach. How many people is this going to reach? I stands for impact. What is the business impact that's going to create? C is my confidence. And E is ease or the effort involved, right? And generally, if you don't know how many people it's going to reach and what the impact is going to be, you shouldn't do it, right? Like everyone says, oh, you're not on Facebook or you're not on Instagram or TikTok or you don't have HubSpot. No, start with your ideal customer profile figure out where they eat, breathe, drink, sleep. Then when you pick a channel, can you, act, can you accurately target these people? And there's a way to do that as well, right? Like before you even pick a channel, you have this ideal customer. Let's say in the case of Boast, it was the founder CEO of a seed through Series A company. 
Now you put that ideal customer in the center and you're like, who do they fund? Meaning what other tools they pay for? Build a list of those tools, MongoDB, Stripe, yada, yada, yada. Who do they follow? Meaning who are the influencers in the space? They're all multi-billion dollar unicorn company CEOs and VCs. Make a list of those. Who do they frequent? What magazines and blogs and other things they read? What events do they go to? Make a list, like maybe TechCrunch, VentureBeat, um, Saster, et cetera. Once you have that list, then you understand all the influence, the centers of influence around your ideal customer. Then you can start, you know, while you're reaching out to your ideal customer, you can start building relationships with these people through a variety of different channels, right? And so then let's say you come up with a channel and you're like, you know what? I'm going to send these people emails. Right, so direct cold email is one. I am going to test some LinkedIn messaging or or LinkedIn ads, right? So that's another channel. And there's a hundred different channels, right? And then the third thing may be like, um, I'm going to do community building, and fourth thing maybe partnership. Now, if you look at it, um, direct email has a decent reach. Of course, it's only as as many as you can get. Partnerships can be one to many, so much higher reach, and community. Uh, also decent reach, but lower than maybe partnerships because, you know, it takes a while to build. So what is the impact? Then you got to figure out the likelihood. And these are all hypotheses. So you score it one to five. What is your confidence? And then the effort and community effort could be like a very high effort. Direct outreach could be a lower effort because you can you can do it yourself. Um, ads also may be high effort because you got to keep testing the messaging and it costs money, right? And then the last one is partnership. It takes a long time, so high effort. And so based on that, you prioritize it and you maybe test two or three channels and you see where it is hitting. And for us, it was like, hey, direct outreach worked, right, a lot. Now, because when you're starting up, nobody knows you, how do you build social proof? So we said, you know what? Community could be a good strategy. Even if 20, 20 people show up when we do meetups, even if one or two people resonate with our, uh, with our idea in the early days, it can help get that validation. So we said, okay, direct outreach, number one, number two, community. And when you start a community, it's very important to give, give, give value before you take, right? And so what we did was we said, okay, we're gonna build a community for founders. We started hosting pizza nights. Every time like, you know, first one, 10 came, then 20, then 40. And then one day, 200 people showed up and the co-working space we were hosting this event at, they're like, you can't do this here any longer, right? And so then we pivoted to doing a conference. The conference gave us all kinds of content. We put it on our YouTube channel, did more conferences. And then that sort of, you know, the flywheel of community growth started growing, going. But then when we started the community also, it's also important to understand there are two kinds of communities you can build. One is a community of practice. A community of practice is effectively a community for your audience, which is focused on making your audience better versions of themselves. Right. So like if it's entrepreneurs, you're giving resources and providing content and making connections for them that make them better entrepreneurs. Right. And the second one is a community of product, which is bringing people around discussing how to use your product to make their life better. Now, if you don't have product market fit and you start with a community of product, everyone is going to think that you're trying to sell them. So I recommend if you don't have product market fit and you're early, start with a community of practice. Like Gainsight is a perfect example. 15 years ago, there was no, 10, 15 years ago, there was no community around customer success. Gainsight, before they even had a product, started doing customer success events called Pulse. And it was all about 
How do you make your customers more successful? It's not a novel concept. Customer success is what? It's proactive customer support. And back in the day, people were frustrated with customer support because you got a call and, and, and usually customers call when they're frustrated and then they're going to churn. So again, it's like, you know what? If you understand a customer's journey and provide them value before they get frustrated and help them to use your products, you'll retain the customers for the long haul. So they started all this education and movement around customer success. HubSpot, the same thing. When they started in the mid 2000s, I was an engineer and I, I was at the first company I worked at the startup. And as a product guy, and it's a small startup, I had to also do some marketing. So I'm like, ah, I don't know anything about marketing. So HubSpot started the inbound community. And back then in mid 2000s, nobody was doing digital marketing really in a significant way. At least I used to live in New Jersey. So everything I learned about online marketing was through going through HubSpot's products, right? So, I mean, HubSpot's community and courses and learning and programs. So they helped me become a better marketer. Now, eventually, years later, after a few startups, when, when both started doing well and we could afford a tool, we used HubSpot, right? And so, <laughs> you know, if you build a community, my belief is you won't become a commodity. Every piece of technology ends up becoming a commodity, right? Yesterday's innovation becomes today's option and tomorrow's commodity. Look at it, the GPS system. Yesterday, uh, it was an innovative product. You couldn't even buy it. Then it became an option in vehicles. Now, you don't even get it as an option because you can connect your phone and do Apple CarPlay. If every piece of innovation to yesterday becomes today's option and tomorrow's commodity, but if you build a community, you won't become a commodity because you have this flywheel going on in the community, right? You're building deliberate relationships with them. So you're getting product feedback on what to make it better. Um, you're, you're helping your customers become successful. And so it's driving sales, it's driving referrals, you're building relationships. At the end of the day, what you're doing is you're building relationships. And in the case of HubSpot and Gainsight, it helped them create a category. When a category around inbound marketing or customer success didn't exist, Gainsight and HubSpot build communities to help everyone become better marketers, everyone become better customer success people, elevate the industry of customer success and marketing. Then they launched a product that helped them create a category. And beyond that, once everyone starts saying, oh man, we should also build a community around this. So now there are a hundred different inbound marketing tools and a hundred different customer success tools. Then what does that become? It's not a community anymore. It's a movement, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so if you look at it, like uh, what, what Tesla has done, it's a movement around electric vehicles or, or energy sustainability. What Nike has done, Nike does not say, oh, you know what, my shoe has anti-wicking technology or can help you run faster. Nike celebrates athletes and athletics. Shopify cele celebrates entrepreneurs, help people become entrepreneurs. And so then once everyone is doing that, it becomes a movement. <laughs> nice, nice. Well explained. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know how to provide all details. Uh, okay. I want to ask about uh, collecting data. Uh, you mentioned that you need to learn customers before uh, creating something. Uh, how to collect this data? I mean, like practical uh, tips. Uh, do we need to talk to them? Do we need to learn from online communities? Uh, use some tools, provide more details about uh, finding the right data before uh, creating products? 
Yeah. So the first thing I'll tell you is there's no substitute for having customer conversations, right? Let's say mm -hmm. you're targeting a founder and you have some vague idea. Build a list of all the founders, let's say, and you get, you got to get very specific. Ideal customer profile means what is the title? Where are they located? What is the job they're trying to do? What stage are they at? Everything, right? Everything about them. Then you can build a list by looking at Crunchbase or LinkedIn and start cold emailing them. And often I send emails like this. Hey, um, I just follow personalized, personalized emails. Hey, I'm, I was reading a post from you on LinkedIn or so you're doing XYZ and I really enjoyed it. It seems like you're an expert in the space. I'm an entrepreneur building XYZ solution to solve a problem for that space. Would you be open to sending 20 minutes of your time for some advice? I'm not looking to sell you anything. People are more receptive. Once you hop on that call, maybe you send 100 emails, 50 emails a day. Um, uh, there's ways to scrape those emails too. You can spend money and go to Zoom Info, or you can just hire a VA out of India or use Mechanical Turk, which I did in the past, and, and get their contacts for really cheap or figure it out yourself using Voila Nurbert uh, or something. And then mm -hmm. you email them, you reach out to them on LinkedIn, they hop on the call. Don't try to sell them anything. Just understand a few things, right? This is a book I read very, very long ago called Spin Selling. Situation question, problem question, implication question, need payoff. It's one of the best books in sales. And it's basically asking a day in the life. What is the situation? Have you ever been in a situation where you experienced XYZ? I'll give you an example of my previous company that failed. It was called Automatically. And we were building a chatbot to automate customer support interactions. And so when we reached out, we would say, hey, have you ever been in a situation where your customer service agents don't have the time to respond to all the queries they're getting? And this was 2013 or 12 or something. And they'd be like, yeah, it happens all the time. Then you ask implication questions. Why does that happen? What is the result uh, of this, uh, like, you know, this problem? Like, you know, why, why is it a problem? Um, what other problems it creates, then you ask implication questions. And then you ask need payoff questions, which is at the end, if you had a magic wand, how would you solve this? And they would say like, dude, in a perfect world, we would streamline all the conversations so it goes to the right person and it automatically responds. And so we created automatically. Now the big mistake we did there was we did all our customer development on large enterprises and Back then, to do an integration with Salesforce or or Oracle, you need to go through a whole security review. Mm -hmm. and, and because they had the data. We, we were a chatbot that would respond automatically uh, based on past customer data, right? And so then we had to pivot and launch it on Zendesk. But at the time in that day, Zendesk had very, very small customers, maybe 5, 20 employees, and they didn't have so much historical data. And so it was sending gibberish. But mm -hmm. So we didn't nail that ICP. So it's very important to nail your ICP. Who's the customer? What is the problem they're expecting? Where do they eat, breathe, drink, sleep? Reach out to them. Uh, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I, you're an expert in the space. Um, I'm trying to solve XYZ problem. Can you spare 20 minutes of your time for some advice? And it's like running a Kickstarter campaign over a call, right? Then you ask them at the end, hey, if I, if I can deliver this magic wand solution for you, would you pay for it and how much? And can I keep you updated on my progress? What a lot of people do is they do this customer development. They don't update the customer on the progress. Then three months later, they launch something and the customer has forgotten them. Keep your customer immediately like a sales email, like, a, like how you do in sales. 
send send them a gift or say thank you for taking the time it means a lot here are the items we discussed here's what we're working can i add you to my beta list right get the commitment and i'll keep you updated every two weeks so now you've built this relationship with the customer and then if you're layering on the back end a community and you're hosting events and whatnot you can start inviting them and then when your product is ready they're ready to try it out so that is a very tactical way to look at it mm-hmm. nice nice uh Can you talk more about personalization? How to personalize the message? Because, you know, I get uh, the same messages. I, I don't want to tell that uh, they are the same, but in most cases are spammy. Now, related questions. Uh, uh, please uh, check out my products. You know, uh, I'm so busy. I know many other entrepreneurs, they are busy as well. Uh, and how to personalize the message to to warm connections before uh, sending uh, these uh, sales emails, you know, trying to uh i don't know to convince them uh for 30 minutes call yeah can you provide more insights about that so i think one of the most important thing is to research the person on linkedin mm-hmm. on google on twitter um and quote something that ties to a problem they're having or something they've done or something you can add value to them because you got to give a little to get right mm-hmm. um i think that's the most important thing don't send like a thousand emails that is like blanket with the same message yeah. research them research what they're doing research maybe maybe they took a vacation recently and you you were in the same spot or they listen to some specific music appeal to the emotional side of the person or maybe there's some problem and then you can even if they're posting on linkedin you can comment and like on there and try to add them and, and you know build that relationship it's like dating right you don't go into a bar and ask a person to marry you you optimize for the phone number then you optimize for the text then you optimize for the date and the date life and that business is a marathon it's not a sprint mm-hmm. yeah love it love it uh okay let's talk about building a team uh you mentioned that uh the previous company failed because of some mistakes for me uh, failing only brings a new experience nothing else yeah you can learn from failure pain, and- pain is the precondition for growth don't let rejection rule you let it fuel you Right. You got to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can you tell how to find the right people? For example, if you have startup or interesting ideas, how to find the right people, uh, unite them with one goal and uh, develop uh, or, and create awesome products. Definitely. So one of the most important things a founder can do is learn to sell. Right. Because mm-hmm. that, excuse me. That's why I said, like in the early days, doing your outreach yourself, building your network is, is really important. Um, because the developing the muscle to sell will help you recruit better and it will help you speak with the press and it will help you pitch investors. You got to develop that muscle without being like, you know, forceful, but <laughs> being an evangelist, right? You're, you're evangelizing your product. You're evangelizing your vision, most importantly, right? And I think mm-hmm. one of the frameworks a founder needs to develop first before you even go on, because it's not transactional, right? Like, again, I said, even hiring people is like dating. You don't go and say, hey, come work for me. People have so many options right now. They can go and ride an Uber and make a $100,000 doing uh, in the, working in the gig economy without working somewhere mm-hmm. else. So what do people gravitate towards? They, it's One, it's important to have a purpose. Why do we exist? What change are we going to build, bring about in the world? The vision. The vision is what will the world look like as a function of us existing? The mission is what do we do to make that change happen? And the last is the values. How do we behave? And you need to embody this, right? So my company, Boast AI, we automate tax credits for businesses. We help innovative companies get funding from the government to the various tax credit program. Why? It's a very cumbersome process, right? 
And it, it takes, you got to go through all your technical and financial details to put together this application. It's prone to frustrating audits. The government audits this. And it takes a long time to get the money once you apply. And so we said, we'll streamline this process so companies can get more money faster for less time and risk. So we'll integrate with the company's tech systems, financial systems, pull the data in, figure out what they qualify for, apply for it. Uh, and this process, the audits are also simpler. And then we have a large credit facility fund where we say, don't wait to get the money from the government, take the money now. Mm-hmm. But we never, we never talk about it when in, in that term, right? What we say is our vision is to enable innovators to change the world. Every dollar spent in innovation returns 20 to the universe. From vaccines to robots to clean drinking water is a function of innovation. But in the last 15 years, more than 50% of the Fortune 500 companies have evaporated. 98% of the startups that want to innovate fail. So our mission is our our purpose is to enable innovators to change the world what is the vision right what will the world look like more innovation in the world accelerated innovation accelerating innovation right what is the mission how do we do it today two things one is we take people's data and analyze it to get them money because money is what they need and then based on that data in the future we'll give them intelligence to innovate faster, who they should hire, what projects to invest in. And then we have this community of resources for innovators, Traction, which gives them all the tools and playbooks to become successful. So that's, you know, how do we do it, right? To content, capital, community, right? Mm-hmm. And, and intelligence. And then the last one is what the values. The values tell you like, how do you behave every day? How do you behave? And so what is important for you is community, it's transparency, it's trust, it's teamwork, it's passion, it's give first mentality. So it's very important to have that framework in mind so you can excite and evangelize people. And then you can do things like, I've, there are people I've hired in two, three days by just reaching out to them and appreciating their work. Same thing like you reach out to founders and entrepreneurs, right? Or, or you reach out to your prospects, understand what they're doing on LinkedIn, shower some praise, offer to connect with them, talk to them and evangelize them. And then it's a, it's a journey, right? It's a yeah. journey because the days yeah. of just throwing a job posting on the wall and seeing people will come is over. You got to proactively find what talent you're trying to recruit, who are the trajectory thinkers in the space by researching and then going and meeting with them. A founder's, a lot of a founder's job is recruiting, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and having that framework of here's my purpose, here's the vision, here are the, here's the mission, and here's how we behave will help you evangelize everybody to come on. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Okay, let's talk uh, about AI. Uh... Can you tell how companies can use AI today? I know so many companies still ignore AI tools, AI data, but uh, I can feel that today it's like a must-have. It, it's not the future, it's the present. Can you tell more? For example, uh, when I'm using AI tools, I can get some uh, not accurate data or uh, wrong data or uh, irrelevant, uh, but uh, when I spend some time, I can improve results when... Uh, 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 yeah, uh, tell more about adapting AI tools for specific companies, uh, where to start, how to learn it. Definitely. So here, here's the thing, right? Like, I mean, there's a lot of resources. Go to OpenAI, check out the GPT-3. There are a lot of open communities and whatnot. 
never start with the technology. This is mm-hmm. the worst thing I see people do. Start with the customer. What is the customer? What is the outcome the customer wants? What are the jobs they are trying to do today to get to that outcome? What are the manual steps in those jobs they do? What can you eliminate? What can you delegate? What can you automate? Understand or figure out a refined process. And in many cases, you can do it manually to figure out what a better process would be like. Then layer on technology. A lot of people start with technology first. But I'll tell you one thing. AI, AI and fintech will become ubiquitous, right? We don't say anymore now it's a web 2.0 company or it's a cloud company. You know, back in the day, 20 years ago, we used to say it's a web company. It's an internet company. We don't say that. Then came the cloud. We don't say it's a cloud company anymore. Then came mobile. We don't say it's a mobile social company anymore, right? Social and mobile. Um, now it's like AI and fintech. We used to say AI company, but eventually, like I said in the earlier comment, yesterday's innovation becomes today's option and tomorrow's commodity. So today, AI is an option. Yesterday, it was an innovation. Eventually, it'll become a commodity. Every company will have intelligence. And at the root of it all is like looking at your customer's workflow and seeing what jobs they're trying to get done, figuring out what are the manual steps, what can you cut out, and deliver a delighted experience. Then if you have volumes of data, you can bring intelligence to automate it or make it faster, right? That's when you layer on. So I would say, have it in your mind, but if it's not delivering a customer outcome, don't do it yet. Because at the simplest form of AI, it's a bunch of if-else statements, right? You're like, if the customer is doing this, like a rules engine, then do that action. If this, then that. If this, then that. And, <laughs> and, and you can fake it with humans. The thing is to get to supreme machine learning, the world is not there yet. And there are a lot of companies doing last mile AI uh, or machine learning where um, especially automating humans, right? You can't get to 100% outcome of automating humans 100%. You still need humans in the loop. And so what is that first step? Look at, look at whatever workflow or product you're building. What is the outcome customers want? Break that outcome. It's into data collection, number one, then normalization of data, then workflow. And the last one is supreme automation, right? So Mm -hmm. data collection, data normalization, so you can make sense of it. Then it's workflow. Then it's the automation of the workflow, right? And so for it to fire at 100%, you just need lots of data. And so then you look at, okay, you know what? I'm collecting data manually in the early days. How can I automate that piece? Well, you build some integrations. You figure out all your customers, what are the tools they're using? How can I suck that in? Then it's normalization, right? I have all this unstructured data. Maybe I write some algorithms to make sense of it. So now that's flying in an automated way. Now with a bunch of if-else statements, you can have some workflow on that normalized data so customer gets the outcome. Now you're like, I got to dump 20,000 customers on this. Now you look at the data and the patterns across all of that data, across customers to then near automate that workflow and make it more expedited, leveraging the intelligence, right? And so you got to take that journey. Everything is that can be put as an example of dating. You don't go in a bar and ask somebody to marry you. You optimize for the first thing and then the next thing and the next thing. Everything is built in phases, validation, product market fit, product channel fit, and then scale. So that's, mm-hmm. that's my advice there. Got it. Yeah, nice. Uh, I found on your LinkedIn profile, 
give before you take. Can you tell more about that? I, I like this quote. Uh, can you explain to our audience about that? You know, this might maybe my upbringing, but my fundamental belief is this. And and Zig Ziglar has a very famous quote. Um, if you help enough people get what they want, you will get what you want, right? <laughs> yeah. And nice. so when you give, 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 the karma comes back, basically. And mm -hmm. so never shy away from helping other people because the more people you help and pay it forward without expecting anything in return, somebody else will give it to you. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, totally. Uh, and uh, I often see why when people can't grow on social media because they oversell. They don't care to share value. Today, most uh, users, people want to get value first before buying anything. Yeah, I agree with that. Love it. Uh, can you tell uh, how to learn more about AI today? For example, you mentioned about OpenAI. I know that, yeah, it's it's a great tool. Uh, you can uh, use this data for any other tools. But uh, if someone uh, started from scratch and want to adapt this technology, where to start? Uh, today how to start learning about ai i'm gonna drop a link over here mm -hmm. and there's a whole bunch of resources from everyone like you know uh, twitter has it intel has it open ai deep mind aws facebook's ai research microsoft there's a lot of courses from udacity to youtube and so i'm gonna drop a link here in the chat and you can leverage that oh nice nice guys you can find all this link Links in the description below on Apple, Spotify, Google. Yeah, just open uh, episode. You can find this link. Yeah. I, yeah, I I will be the first who will check out this link because, you know, the last time I started to learn more about AI because I found, for example, if I write any text, if I do it myself, uh, I can spend like uh, uh, eight hours to write 3,000 words. But with AI, I can write 20,000 words a day. You know, just, uh, yeah, uh, you can't get a complete project. Uh, you need to edit, to check out manually, to think how uh, to provide new insights. But uh, it doesn't matter. You save so much time, you know, when you uh, craft, uh, when you write any text. Uh, I have the question about uh, growing your community. Uh, do you use... Uh, some special network, I mean, like, uh, or social media or uh, Telegram or uh, any other places and how to find your best method uh, to communicate yeah. with customers? I think, you know, don't start with the tool. My advice is always going to be don't start with the tool. Start with mm -hmm. your customer. Figure out where mm -hmm. do they eat, breathe, drink, sleep. Who do they fund? Who do they follow? Who do they frequent? What tools they use? And go where your customers are. For me, the community was all about events. And so we do two live webinars a week. We do two podcasts a week um, and we host a lot of in-person events and then through email. But if your customers, the bulk of your community hangs out on Telegram, create a Telegram group or a Slack group. But the work, world doesn't need the 100th Discord community or Slack community or Telegram or WhatsApp community. What the world of community needs is person-to-person -person connection. And so figure out how you're going to deliver that connection and the way to figure that out is first understanding your ICP, your, your customer, your buyer, your community member, and then facilitating that connection where they hang out, right? And uh, the other key learning for me was right now we're sound and sight. Anytime you incorporate more than two senses, taste, touch, smell, you start building more genuine connections. 
And so we said, let's do in-person events and start doing more and more meetups and in-person events and, and scale that. But maybe for somebody else, it's a Slack group where people will be more engaged and build uh, genuine connections. The root of all community growth starts with connection. Harley Davidson, they built, they almost went bankrupt in the 80s and they built this iconic brand. It's all based on person-to-person connection. On um, you know, They build a community around the joys of writing. So it all depends on what your what emotional benefit your customer can get or your community member can get and where do they hang out, eat, breathe, drink, sleep and delivering value and a great experience across that. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Uh, I have the final question about the future. Can you forecast or predict the future about uh, community uh, communities? Uh, because, you know, uh, uh, The last time we, we are talking a lot about metaverse, that we, uh, it will change our future, how we we'll communicate with others. What do you think? Is it a good idea today to grow your community or it's better to think uh, what kind of uh, communication methods we need to consider in the future? What do you think? You know, there's a lot of work around DAOs, which are decentralized autonomous organizations. Startup Grind is building one. My friend Eric Sue, Derek from Startup Grind is also a friend. My friend Eric Sue has this uh, community around, it's called Leveling Up, and it's all in the metaverse, and it's uh, leveraging DAO. And, you know, I think start with the fundamentals. Don't start with the technology. Like all these guys already had communities of people before they layered on technology on top. Focus on building connections. And then if creating a decentralized autonomous organization and launching NFTs and, and doing something in the metaverse will add value to these people, then you build it, right? So think about it. Let's say you have a community of people who, are, who derive joy from, the, from riding bikes and meeting in person. What is the metaverse going to do for them? Probably nothing, right? It mm-hmm. all depends. So learning your customers, everything starts with the customer. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Uh, it's a big pleasure to get you on my show, to learn from you. You provide a lot of valuable insights. Tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you or learn you. <laughs> Definitely. I am on LinkedIn. I'm taking a little bit of a LinkedIn detox. I haven't posted in like almost two months, but I'm on LinkedIn, double L-O-Y-E-D, Lobo. But, you know, I think the best way to get in touch with me is go to tractionconf.io and go to an upcoming event, tractionconf.io forward slash events. We do two live webinars a week. Register for an event. You'll be on my newsletter and you'll come to one of the events I host. We had one coming up with Mara Segere. It's on marketing with zero, how brands grow from zero to four billion. We have a webinar on fundraising next week. So come to one of our events online and let's engage and chat online. And hopefully we have a chance to meet in person at an in-person event coming up. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. Okay, guys, you need to attend this event. By the way, you know, uh, today uh, I decided to check out uh, one feature on LinkedIn newsletter. And, you know, I got, uh, uh, let me count, like for six hours, 9,000 subscribers, you know, just to write the first article on LinkedIn, you know. So, so you so got a thousand subscribers, you created a newsletter and see that I haven't done a LinkedIn newsletter, but maybe that's something I should I, I should try out but again it starts with the customer right and substack yeah. is a good one too you can you can get so what unique content can you provide and so linkedin newsletter got you a thousand subscribers in one day that's fantastic 
10,000 subscribers for, uh, yeah, I check out, um, uh, for five hours, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I, I never how did, that. How, how did you do that? Uh, very simple. You need to write, uh, your article on LinkedIn pulse, uh, you know, when you create post or, uh, you have the option to write article. When you write the article, LinkedIn proposes to send this, uh, content to your, uh, followers and connections. Uh, that's it. You know, uh, LinkedIn will send. It's better to write a good article, you know, not a simple one just with some valuable insights. And uh, LinkedIn will send this article to you, all your connections and followers, and uh, they can decide, uh, subscribe or not. And, yeah, I got for uh, 10,000 subscribers for uh, six hours. I never thought that it works like this. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is fantastic. That is fantastic and good. Good stuff, man. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having me on the show. It was an engaging, exciting conversation. I loved it. Folks, um, add me on LinkedIn, double L-O-Y-E-D, Lobo. And um, I'll accept your LinkedIn invitation. And also check out tractionconf.io forward slash events. Register for an upcoming event. We have podcasts. We have webinars. Join us and, you know, hope to engage with you. Anatoly, okay. until next yeah. time, my friend. Love and peace, okay. brother. F thanks, man. Yeah, I'll share your link uh, with my network. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.